Welcome to the Diabetics Doing Things podcast. We've been telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics all across the world since 2015, and we have over a thousand years of living with T1D on the podcast. The interviews range from incredible feats to everyday victories, and we celebrate them all just the same. Thanks for listening, and if you want to get involved even further, just send me an email at rob at diabeticsdoingthings.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Diabetics Doing Things. We are telling the amazing stories of type 1 diabetics from all across the world. And my very special guest, uh, not close to Dallas, uh, but still on this side of the <laughs> earth, I guess, if we're talking across the world, is Abby David calling from Toronto. Woo, hello. <laughs> hello, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh Abby, you and I obviously, like most of my guests, met through Instagram. Um, uh-huh. So let's let's dive in. Let's. How did you How did you end up on the show Diabetics Doing Things? Let's start with the origin story. Let's Let's go way back. How did the, I end to, up on the show? Um, as in, like, how was I diagnosed and how did I get diabetes? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Other, other okay, than that, cool. obviously, we I asked you to be on the show and, and yeah. here we are. Right? <laughs> Pretty straightforward. That, that's not, that is not complicated. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so I was diagnosed when I was 16 years old and I'm 23 now. So I don't know, seven years ago. Is that math? That's math. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I had all the symptoms that everybody usually has, you know, really, really thirsty, losing weight, didn't really think much of it. Cause like, those are also symptoms of a lot of other things. Um, and then just decided to go to the doctor one day. And at first she, she made me get an actual blood test just to find out what my blood sugar was. She didn't know how to use like a blood sugar meter, which is like ridiculous. Cause she was like a general doctor. Um, so she tested my blood sugar and then I had to wait a day to find out what it was. And it was like oh, 27, which is, I'm not sure what the American version of that is. I think maybe like six or 700. Um, and then they were like, okay, yep, you have this. And for some reason I didn't really feel too traumatized right when I, they told me, um, just cause I guess I didn't know a ton about it. Um, so yeah, she told me I had it. We were in her her doctor's office and then my dad was with me and he was like, is she going to have this for the rest of her life? And then the doctor was like, yeah. And then he started crying and like he never cries ever. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is really serious. So then I started crying and then we went to the hospital and they like did the whole teaching for like two weeks and yeah. Classic dad response though. I just know. Like, just, <laughs> Classic dad. <laughs> I love... Parent, my, I don't know. My parents took it like personally almost like they had done yeah. something wrong. And I know a Same lot of Same with my parents. parents They're do. like, what did I do? Like, did I feed you this or not feed you this when you were younger? It was like, no, like it, it's really just, it's random. So Right. Are you the yeah. only person in your family um, with type one? Yeah, I am. It's interesting how many people I talk to that that's the case. I think mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't done the, I haven't run the numbers, uh, but I would imagine that it's more often than not the people that I talk to anyway, uh, 
that they are the only type one in their family. Yeah, it is weird how that happens. There, there certainly are exceptions to the rule, and I love the stories where a brother or sister gets diagnosed. I know. Or I'm like, oh, like, whenever parents. I hear that, I'm like, oh, I wish. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, want, yeah, I, was I just want someone like, to love me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little bit like isolated for a long time. Like my sister's uh, boyfriend at the time had type one, but she, I was living in Vancouver and she was living in Toronto. So like, he tried to like kind of like give me a little pep talk and like stuff and like help me out but I was also I didn't really want to talk to people about it at the time so yeah uh and and that's a pretty common response right and especially like Mm -hmm. you know your your sister's boyfriend it's like you sort of feels forced exactly Um, totally and I found (laughs) that like forced conversations about diabetes are like the worst kind of the worst yeah the nicest thing was just like if someone sent me a card and just like you know, didn't, it didn't like need a response from me. It was just like, okay, if someone like was thinking about me, it was like, oh, that was like really appreciated. So, yeah. Well, and I think, when did that change for you? When did you, like you mentioned, you're kind of, when you were kind of probably, isolated. yeah, probably once I graduated high school, cause I got diagnosed in grade 11 and then I was, I, cause I didn't really want people to treat me differently in high school. Um, so I literally did not tell anybody, like I would go to the bathroom to like inject my insulin or test my blood sugar. I told like one or two people. Um, and then once I graduated and I met all these new people in college, it was sort of like, well, now I can just be this person and no one knew me before or anything. I don't know. So yeah, it was college, I guess. And I think that's super important to like, I mean, just the exercise of getting outside your comfort zone anyway. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. But going away for school, that was something that was very purposeful for me when I was 18, which is not when you make very intentional decisions most of the time. But uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to get out and just be away from everything that I was comfortable with and everything yeah. that I knew, mostly like not because I didn't want my parents to check in on me, but I also wanted mm-hmm. to see other parts of the world and like meet other people. So totally, um, it's an interesting thing for somebody with type one, like you said, you know, keeping it as kind of on the low and then you go to college, you sort of are growing into yourself in other ways. Yeah, and then that, totally. that sort of comes through with diabetes as well. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely like a coming of age thing. <laughs> it is. And I think like, Coming, the idea of coming of age with diabetes, like there is no timeline, right? Um, no, it kind of just forces you to like just deal with everything. <laughs> well, and it's I like, think you know, especially when you look at kids. Um, uh huh. And yeah. I, I get to talk to children in, in teen groups a lot, and I'm always surprised at how grown up the kids are because they, mm. I think you have that moment right where you're in charge of your life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, to a, a more a heightened extent than a normal kid. Totally. Um, it forces you to just to think like in life or death situations a lot more than anybody like a normal person would have to think about it. So it's like that in itself would just make you so much more mature and like having to make choices every day, like based on your at that are like will affect your health, you know, especially when you're really young. Like I can't imagine being like seven years old. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. I mean, even uh, I was diagnosed at the same age that you were uh, when mm-hmm. I was 16. So uh, at that point, you're pretty self-sufficient. I, I would make that generalization. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. You have an idea mm-hmm. of how you know to live. And so you just sort of add an extra step. Um, 
Do you remember anything in, in particular that was a challenge to adjust to or something that you were like, oh, well, I do this differently now because I, I have diabetes. Uh, was there anything like that for you or was it just more of an experimentation? Hey, we'll do this, see how I feel and then keep moving. Yeah. I mean, there, it was definitely, there, there were a lot of things actually. <laughs> like I'm, I've been a musician like my whole life. So definitely performing was like, very nerve wracking in the beginning. And like, I guess I didn't, I didn't have to change the way I performed, but I had to be so aware of like what was going on. Cause like the last thing I would want is to have a low on stage or anything like that. So I had to be, I had to sort of like get used to performing with diabetes and like being confident enough to do that. Um, and definitely like exercising was so different it was just like, now I, I have all these other layers to deal with. Um, yeah, basically those are probably the main two, but it's, it's interesting. It, yeah. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of parallels between like playing a sport like I did and, and performing music, um, you know, for people because the anticipation and adrenaline leading up exactly. to like, can, yeah. can always spiked my blood sugar still does uh-huh. like any sort of like stress cortisol. Totally. Uh, just sends it straight up. Um, uh-huh. And then, you know, exercise is always sort of the... Yeah. The I think I get more questions or see more conversations about what to do about exercise than anything else. And I've had a lot of really smart, much smarter and more learned in the exercise science than I on this podcast. And I think, like, the main thing is just, like, be easy on yourself and try to develop as, as good of habits as possible, but that you're also going to there are going to be days where it just doesn't make sense. Exactly. Yeah. It's not ever going to be the exact same. And yeah, the same thing for me with performing, like I'll always like, I'll, I want to run a little bit higher, like not super high, but just a little bit. But then so many, so many of the times I just end up going so much higher. I'm like, no, like this wasn't the plan, but because of the adrenaline and everything, it's like just skyrockets. And it's one of those things too. And, and I've been dealing, it's, ah, I don't know. There's life is so connected and weird. Um, so like for me, uh, I, uh-huh. lately I've been thinking as I get more stress, cause I'm very similar. Like I like to be, when I go into some sort of performance mode, I'd like to be around like 140, 150, because then I know mm-hmm. if I drop a little bit, I'll be fine. Uh, yeah. and you know, I have a little bit of room on the high side if I, if I keep going up a bit. So I, I am comfortable there. I'm confident. I don't have to worry about it. Um, but then you start getting into that, like over worrying and overthinking, which causes exactly. stress to go up, which negatively yeah. affects it. And uh, one thing I've been learning lately, I'm doing this like 30 days of yoga thing on YouTube, Oh, nice! Uh, which is new for me. I'm not a very mobile person. Um, so this is something is like a challenge getting out of my comfort zone a little bit. Um, uh-huh. But I don't think I realized until this, uh, this sort of challenge that when I get stressed out or things get hard, I like hold my breath. I like try to like, mm, wi- like yeah. you know, will my way through them, which, you know, makes totally. causes you to be stressed. So it's interesting, like looking back, wondering, oh, I wonder if I had just relaxed or approached this in a different way. Maybe I would have had just, a different result. Yeah. Started breathing normally. Yeah. That's something that I've noticed a lot, too. I started meditating like two months ago and I haven't done it every single day, but I've been trying really hard, like almost every second day, you know sometimes like every like every day of the week but 
just being aware of my breathing is like it's been changed so much in my overall relaxation and like way of like living because <laughs> it's like wow I, I literally like couldn't breathe before and like like I would breathe out of my chest or like I couldn't take deep breaths because it would like make me anxious and now it's like I can actually breathe properly I feel like and it just like brings me down to such a better level <laughs> and it's crazy because I just wasn't aware of it for my entire life so. and, and it sounds so simple right and I know right and I think like, that's just one, breathe yeah but it's like actually it's like you have to work on it <laughs> yeah I, I think one of um right now we're coming up on the end of the year um so if you're listening to this in the future uh it's the end of 2017 right now um <laughs> Thank God. No, right. Uh, but the, um, like the idea that, or, uh, anyway, sorry, I lost my train of thought for a second. I'm coming up with lists of things like that. I am glad I found in 2017 or my favorite like book or like favorite new discovery or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And like my biggest thing I think is probably like mindfulness and meditation practice. Uh, totally. I, I've talked with other people on this, on the podcast as well. Uh, I got really into Tim Ferriss this year and, and how many people who are very successful in whatever fields they're in have some sort of mindfulness practice uh, to look inside and be aware of how they're doing things and what's going on. And mm-hmm. tying that back to diabetes has been really interesting because you can just notice things like, oh, uh, I'm, you know, I feel like a little bit low right now. Maybe is that affecting my mood? Is that affecting my responses? Do people just think I'm annoyed at them right now? Yeah, um, totally. And and so it's just, it's just finding those like, oh, I'm going to step back and observe this moment for a second. And I think it can be very helpful um, for people with type 1 diabetes. I know Lauren Bongiorno, um, who I'm sure many people list, know and was on, on the podcast. Oh, I'm about to, this is about to be a podcast first. I'm about to sneeze. Uh, well, I, now I jinxed it because I said it. Um, oh, damn. Now anyway, you have that feeling. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, uh, Lauren does a did a great episode on Craig Casper's podcast uh, on The Bravest Life uh, with a mindfulness guided meditation. Uh, and it was centered around just being mindful and, and breathing, but uh, in the context of type 1 diabetes, which I thought was super mm, helpful. That's really cool. So, yeah. Um, I'll include a link to that in the show notes so that people can find it. But, um, yeah, very, very cool. It's very interesting how it's all, again, life is all connected. Everything, Uh everything in parallels. Yeah. It's crazy too. Like how just much effort it all takes. Like, just like life, just it, life in just, general. <laughs> just life in general, but also like actually meditating and actually breathing, doing yoga, like self-care, you know, especially as a diabetic, like making sure you're healthy is like, I don't know, it can like look really easy on the outside, but actually taking the time like every day, like to like be proactive in your health, it takes so much work, but then it does actually pay off so much after, you know, because I think like these days, everybody's really consumed with like social media and like comparing themselves to other people and getting stressed out and like, I don't know, just general life things. And it's like, like learning self care. It's like, yeah, just like say these mantras and like, you'll be fine. Like look at yourself in the mirror and like, but it's actually like a work. Like you have to actually take the time out of every day to breathe and like, 
exercise if you can, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting too. Uh, I was having this discussion with my girlfriend the other day about how easy it is to get in like the, like we look at our, we live in our own little pods, right? Our social media pod where Mm -hmm. everybody's healthy, everybody's meditating, everybody's super fashionable, everybody's like a celebrity and, yeah. <laughs> and then you think, because I had a conversation with another, on another episode, um, which hasn't released yet, but a guy, he, a guy was a traveling nurse and he was saying that he purposefully goes to rural areas because their people aren't health conscious. Like they don't, yeah. they don't know and they don't care to know about their own like health, personal care. So he sees it as an opportunity to introduce them to at least like the base level of care because um, all of us city folk with our uh, social media and our Instagram influencers and our, you know, squad goals, like we all, <laughs> we all want to, you know, we all have this lifestyle that we're aspiring to this sort of health, wellness Um, And I think for me, especially like there's a lot of people who really care about taking and treating their diabetes. And Mm -hmm. I start to take a step back sometimes and say, okay, well, if I'm diagnosed on day one, I don't, A, I don't know about all these people. And B, I may, maybe not even interested in it right now because, you know, I'm just learning how to test my blood sugar. And maybe like you, your doctor took a day to get their blood sugar back. Yeah. You know, maybe they're in the similar type of scenario. And I think um, I try to be mindful of that. Um, totally there's 40,000 new type ones in the u.s every year um is that it wow i thought there'd be more than that it seems like (laughs) there would be right um (laughs) i just thought you were gonna say a day (laughs) oh man yeah that would be insane Uh, that would be insane (laughs) no no just just a year and i think you know that doesn't include canada or the uk or ireland Mm -hmm. or australia india any of the other big countries with uh with larger type one populations. I actually don't even know how many there are in the world. I can't find an accurate statistic on it. It's kind of weird. Weird. Um, Hmm. But I think it's just partially because like we don't have as much data on like health data in, in places like India, for example. Totally. uh, Where there are Mm -hmm. a billion people. Um, Exactly. Anyway, we digress. So, Uh um, you know, I, I try to make sure that, Hey, there's a base level of information and care that needs to come out. Um, and mostly that, Hey, if you're health conscious, like check this box and, and keep reading or turn the page. Like, and if not, like you, maybe you should be, or what else, what else is going on in your life and what other things could you be thinking about? Yeah. Or just like, yeah, if you're not, then just like take your time and small steps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I think, uh, you know, especially because the food education, I think we're at like an all time high, but we're, there's still like, I think it's probably the 80-20 rule, right? Like you think you would think by Instagram and everything that everybody would know about food and and its impact on your body and health and 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 everything else. But then you take a step back and you realize that's only a drop in the ocean and there's so it's, many more people out very there who, true. who have yeah. learned one thing or another throughout their lives that may or may not be correct or may you know be based on just like marketing messaging, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah even myself sometimes it's hard to decipher like what is true and what's false on the internet you know when you're trying to learn about new things and new foods and like how they'll benefit your body like and then I can't imagine because I've like been pretty into food for a while I can sort of like tell you know but if you're just starting out it's there's a lot of traps (laughs) that's for sure 
Well, and and give me give me an example, like especially as it relates to like food or learning how your body reacts to something. What's what's something that you had to kind of take a step back and and break down a little bit for yourself? I think just so I've had like a a pretty intense like food journey. <laughs> um, I I was following the classic ADA or CDA diet of like eat lot whatever eat whatever you want cover the insulin hashtag like diabetics can eat whatever they want and I was doing that and it really was not working for me and I didn't understand why because I was counting my carbs and I was putting in insulin for everything and it it was just like I it was strange because I I just didn't understand. I was following what the doctors told me and it was I was still having really high blood sugars all the time and you know, I wasn't at a place in my life where I was happy with my health and I felt like diabetes was really taking control of my life because even though I was trying to still live the same and like eat whatever I want and you know, just live my life, I couldn't because I was high and low all the time. So then I had I like went on this other diet where I ate like very, like very minimal carbs and lots of high fat dairy, lots of meat, like things that are zero in carbs. And I was like convinced that that was like the way I was going to eat for the rest of my life. Cause my blood sugar was amazing. Um, and it was like great. But then after about a year of doing that, I started noticing other side effects happening in my body. And I also started getting more interested in animal rights and environmental problems and stuff like that. So that was like one thing where I was so convinced that it was great and it was working for me for so long and I was going to do it for the rest of my life. And then all of a sudden, like, it changed. And so yeah, then I had to change my diet again. And now I am at a place where I'm really happy with my diet and my blood sugar. And it's taken a really long time. And obviously, there's terrible days still, and there always will be. And I know that's going to be a part of my life forever. But it's like very much so less, a less part of my life, if that makes any sense. <laughs> so, uh, well, what did you what did you land on? What, did, what was your formula um, that... Um... So I basically... I'm vegan now and I I still sort of eat low carb but I'm very flexible and I'm mindful of the amount of fat that I eat and basically it's very it's just been like so much easier to count I don't know like estimate carbs for what I'm eating and put in the correct amount of insulin and then if I do have a high I don't have like any insulin resistance compared to what I used to have so it just comes down like so much faster and yeah that's that's how I've been living for the past two years and it's been great (laughs) well and I think you know you got to have balance right um totally with, with, with anything but especially with you know diabetes related Um, Mm. because you're going to have those days where you're like, I'm so done with eating super low carb or exactly ultra high vegetables or I basically, yeah, I basically don't restrict myself like ever, but I do like, okay, I guess that's not true. I don't eat really high carb foods, but like say 
I want a cinnamon bun, I'll just find an alternative that will satisfy me in the same way. Because for me, I'm not really like super attached to specifically certain foods, like a cinnamon bun from my favorite bakery. Like I could just make myself a cinnamon bun and I would probably be just as satisfied. So I just do that for everything. (laughs) And then it just, it works out. So I don't feel like, oh, I have to have like two days where I can just eat as many carbs as I want. I just day-to-day life I just oh if I want that and say I am craving something like crazy high carb obviously I'll eat it but it doesn't really happen as often as it used to right well and I think you know I always knew I think from the time I was probably like 21 I always knew that at some point I would have to make a dietary choice yeah for my diabetes for the rest of my life that's or you know in in some capacity i try to look at everything in like that 80 20 like Pareto analysis where you know 80 percent of the time i eat foods that i want within that are within a you know certain cleanliness right I, right yeah yeah i've i've done like eight whole 30s i love the way i feel in whole 30 mm. it's great but i can't sustain it for more than 30 days it's just like unrealistic um, right well, otherwise, I'll just say I lack the discipline, I guess, to continue to do it because true. I don't even really know what whole thirty entails. Just mean just means like eating whole foods for thirty days. Uh sort of. It's just like no sugar added, no dairy, no legumes. I did an episode with, oh, the, with wow. their one of the first episodes, and actually the most downloaded episode of all time is with the whole thirty founder Melissa Hartwig. Um, Whoa! And she's like, I think episode seven, I would say, of this podcast, which was really awesome. Cool. And we talked mm-hmm. about. Um, she asked me a lot of questions about that other type ones have, and you know, she's been a super big supporter and, and a huge advocate for for me and for the podcast. But um, basically, no sugar added, no dairy, no legumes, um, no preservatives, nothing that comes out of a box, wow. pretty much no rice uh for like 30 days and wow so yeah it does get a little bit paleo-ish um Uh although it's not as high fat there's no cheese um so it's just it's kind of a mixture but a lot of vegetables a lot of good oils man yeah at 30 days of that yeah your blood sugars are 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 better the amount Uh the amount of insulin that you take is lower um Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things it's like okay what where's the balance what yeah what can you make for the rest of your of your life versus what's your whole life versus your whole 30 or yeah. your, you know, other yeah. insert other Wait, crazy kind of crash diet program. Yeah. Not which is totally what I was doing with the like really, really low carb thing. Like it was, it was great. My blood sugar was great. But then it was like, I started feeling like shit and like, or sorry, crap. <laughs> um, are, and, are, are, you can curse on this podcast. Like, but I, I imagine like your parents will probably listen to this. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, cool. Yeah. I wasn't sure. I was like, oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, it really the the really really low carb was very much so not sustainable, and I'm I'm like surprised that some people actually can sustain it because like that's very intense. <laughs> like, wow. Well, yeah, and I think it just takes. Uh, you know, I'm really proud of people with diabetes. They're very disciplined. Um, mm-hmm because it takes a lot of discipline to manage this disease 24 seven. There's a lot percent and a lot of just like gentleness to yourself, like, because you're not going to get it right all the time. Uh huh. Um, but you know, on the other side is like when you're eating some sort of very healthy, like 1% of 1% healthy diet, 
um, you have to say no to a lot of things, especially in our culture. And that's it really important, but it's very difficult. And saying it time after time after time, like if you're not drinking or if you're not, uh, mm-hmm. e- you know, you're not eating carbs and, you know, you have an office birthday cake party or somebody brings donuts in the morning and they yeah. like, take it very personally. And we have this aversion, or at least I do, to where, you know, you don't want to disappoint people. So totally, you just say yeah. yes to, to avoid it, right? Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think specifically in Western culture and American culture, like we, especially with food, we make it really hard on ourselves to stick with something that's that strict, uh, no matter how good it is for you. So, um, you know, I, I love to experiment. I like to try things and see how my body reacts. I'm taking a ton of different supplements right now in, uh, in search of, you know, better, even just 1% better insulin absorption or um, you know, mm-hmm. being able to use a little bit less, uh, insulin or, or having better numbers. And I, mm-hmm. and I'm glad that there are other people out there doing that too, but I'm also glad that I have a good enough relationship with food and with my diabetes. And I'm very fortunate to have that where I can say, you know what, I'm going to just take it easier today. Like, like I did today. And I had Madeline for lunch and I had a delicious tomato basil soup with like a sandwich so there you go exactly and i was happy because of it and my blood sugar has been been fine so yeah um everything yeah everything in moderation yeah i think everybody's really on their own journey with health and especially with type 1 diabetes and just finding the best way for them and like little things they can do and that's why like as bad as social media is it's also like totally amazing for like meeting other people like I don't know anyone that has type 1 diabetes in my life basically I don't think no I don't know anybody like that I could just physically go talk to like in Toronto so yeah having social media to see that there's other people around like like me that are also into health that have type 1 diabetes is like very cool yeah, I mean, it's been one of my favorite discoveries the last two years. Like, I didn't know it existed. Yeah, and I think there's like, a whole community. <laughs> yeah, and it is one of the, like there's a lot of negativity on social media, and rightfully so that people talk about it. But uh-huh. I really do believe uh, the Type One community they are under like there's just not enough press about it. Like, it is really one of the diamonds in the rough. Um, yeah, there are you know about forty thousand people I estimate that that have type one and they talk about it and they connect with other people and they're just like you, they don't know anybody in their regular life that has it mm-hmm. uh, or it's very minimal. And then they, you know, get online and all of a sudden they're not alone anymore and they can talk to any number of different people who are just like them. Totally. Yeah. It's quite amazing. Um, you were talking about, you know, everybody being on their own journey, how, you know, I don't often ask, I guess this type of question, but because of that, it makes it kind of difficult to I'm, – I'm trying to figure out a way to word this. Like, for example, it's it's hard to say, hey, oh, if, if you're having a – if you had a bad – a high blood sugar, for example, or maybe uh-huh. a, bad, a bad day, and somebody from the outside who doesn't really have it looks at that and says, oh, like, well, well what happened? And there's really no great explanation, right? Sometimes uh-huh. there are more questions than answers. Mm-hmm. Um how do you, you know, how do you deal with that in your own life when you find those those times where there's more questions than there are answers? Yeah, 
I mean, I generally will answer stuff like that as uh, I kind of just say, you know, like diabetes is about mainly a balancing act and there are so many different factors that affects it. And then I'll say like, you know, stress, food, exercise, hormones, whatever. And I'll just say, and you know, like some days are harder than others. And some days my blood sugar will be higher or lower than others. And that's my short answer. And then usually that satisfies them. But yeah, it could be really hard. Like I have been at work before and like someone will see something on my arm and say, oh, what's that? And then it's like, oh, it's for type one diabetes, monitors my blood sugar, whatever, or it's my pump. Um, And they're like, oh, you can cure yourself. It's like, No, I can't. It's like, yeah, I saw this doctor on the internet. Like, I swear you can cure yourself. And it's like, it's so hard (laughs) sometimes to just be like, I really can't. But I I just have to be, honestly, like, if I know that I can't, if it's a very brief interaction and they're not, their their, um, point of views are not going to get changed at all, I just kind of have to, like, blow it off and shrug it off my shoulders and just say, like, okay, great, and walk away, because it's just not worth it sometimes. But most of the time, I'll explain to them, you know, what's going on. (laughs) Well, and you bring up a good point, though, Uh, the internet. (laughs) And (laughs) uh, especially when, and no, no disrespect or offense to any medical device companies, but whenever you roll out a new product that's super innovative, you do a big PR tour with it. And mm-hmm. publications like Business Insider and you know Wall Street Journal or whatever do a you know pick it up, and uh-huh. and so whether it's the quote unquote artificial pancreas when Medtronic released their 670G closed loop system, uh-huh. uh, people are like, well, there's a there's a artificial pancreas system out there that's going to cure type one diabetes, mm-hmm. and yeah. then you know all <laughs> and of and then your, your family sends oh, you yeah. like ten emails. It's like how, how many no. links? How many links do you get? And and you get a little <laughs> bit of burnout there because yeah, it's not necessarily a solution. It's good, yeah, you're excited about it, but you know people I don't think realize it's not like a new iPhone. Even though I really think it should be, you should just be able to buy the new thing. But yeah, you know you you don't have it's it's not that simple. And, you know, you, you're stuck in a, in a warranty or maybe your insurance doesn't cover it. Mm-hmm. And so it just often causes more harm than good unintentionally, yeah. but it's tough. Totally. Or like there's the one person in a somewhere that got some transplant or some inset cell transplant. And, oh, like it's, it's soon. You're going to get a cure soon. And then everyone always says like, I swear in five years, like in five years, it's going to happen or in two years. It's like, right. You know what? Like, I'm just going to live my life like and not think that or like not care too much about what's coming next. Like, because I am happy and, you know, like you just got to be happy with where you're at. Obviously, the new technology is cool, but like that's just like an upgrade. Like, it's like, okay, great. Like, you know, eventually maybe you can switch to that, but it's not like. I don't know. It's not like, oh, my God, like get your hopes up every time. Right. It's exhausting. And I think that, too, like about cure messaging, um, I think we're all pro-cure, right? Mm -hmm. We all all want the cure to eventually Obviously, yeah. But but we're not, uh, you know, it's hard to hang on every breath about it. Um, Uh And, you know, I've been on a big kick lately, especially with my other type 1 blogger friends. Like, hey, don't forget to go out and, like, be a person and live your life. Like, 
not everything has to be a diabetes experiment because uh-huh. if that becomes, you know, it, it can consume you at an unhealthy level and burnout is, is definitely possible. So, you know, we were talking about breathing earlier, go outside and like, let the sun hit you in the on your face and, you know, mm-hmm. run around and be grateful for that. Um, and not worry necessarily where you're in the, in the 100 to 200 range, your blood sugar falls after a meal for a day or so, you know? And so, um, sometimes that's easier said than, than done, but, um, I look forward to those moments where, Hey, we're not all worried about the next piece of technology or refilling our next prescription or what our insurance is going to cover at our new job, Yeah, but mm-hmm. we're able to at least say, Hey, I can manage this. I am, I have a better relationship with my diabetes than I had yesterday. And mm-hmm. you know, that's all I can hope for. Totally. It's literally such a day, day by day experience and just, you know, learning and growing and living your life. And yeah, event like I find I have like certain moments every couple of months where I'm like, wow, like I feel a lot better than I did before. Like I can do this now or, and then it's like, it feels good. That's just, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, in other, in other kind of good news, um, I guess that's a terrible transition into this question, but uh, give me some good things. I tried. I tried. Um, I I asked this question sort of towards the end of every conversation I have. Um, Uh And, you know, as someone who I imagine has been in an airport once or twice, you understand how gates work. Mm -hmm. Uh, so yep. they're going to close, they're going to close the door to your gate in like 30 seconds. Uh, but you, uh-huh. but you run into somebody with type one diabetes and you can't miss your flight. Uh, what's the one thing that you tell that person in that 30 seconds? Someone, just another person that has diabetes yeah, like uh, me, who has been recently diagnosed or, uh, maybe is struggling. Okay. More difficult. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I'd probably say, 30 seconds you're this is gonna be really hard at first um and you will always have ups and downs um but it does get better and you are your own best doctor and you like if you're having problems take it upon yourself to to research and um invest in your own health that's what i would say (laughs) Oh, I love it. That's great. That's great. <laughs> Cause that's what I've learned is just like being your own caretaker and like try it, like relying on yourself instead of always calling a doctor, like I need to change my basal rates or I need to do this is like, just, it gives you a lot more freedom and enables you to live your life a lot easier. <laughs> it does. And I think like taking ownership, um, uh, huh. Is, is a huge piece of it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And, but at the same time, don't over own, don't over own your diabetes uh, because you don't have to do it by yourself, right? We have this great, exactly. this great community. So find, yeah, finding again, a balance. Yeah, yeah totally. Uh, well, Abby, thank you so much for, uh, for making the time to come and, and chat tonight. Um, really no refreshing, problem. easy conversation. Um, mm-hmm. if anybody wants to follow you, um, or get in touch with you on social media, what's the best way to do that? Um, so my Instagram is Abby J David, and I also have a blog called betting on sugar. So you can check me out at either of those places. <laughs> awesome. Is that betting on sugar.com? Dot com. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, 
yeah, like I said, uh, I will include links to everything in the show notes. And it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.